This episode's brought to you by Notorious Fire Company. Firefighter owned and operated Notorious Fire Company manufactures and creates quirky and unique items for the fire service. Whether it's your stainless steel water bottles, tumblers, four-in-one koozies, you can decorate your emotional support water bottle with more than 100 different designs they offer so very much. From apparel to swag to stickers, they got you covered. Check them out at NotoriousFire.com. That's N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S, NotoriousFire.com. And check them out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at NotoriousFire. And this month with the podcast, if you use coupon code Fire Radio June 2023, that is Fire Radio June 2023, you'll get free shipping on all orders within the U.S. So check them out, NotoriousFire.com. Lenny and the crew, they're making great stuff. And I have to tell you, with the summer upon us, the sticker packs are out of control. You got everything from Star Wars to pinups and everything in between. Slap them on your beer fridges, your coolers, and your tumblers and celebrate the summer in style with Notorious Fire. A good supporter and longtime friend. We're happy to have him on the podcast with us. Check him out, NotoriousFire.com and coupon code FIREADIOJUNE2023 for free shipping all across the U.S. Hey everyone, Jeremy National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is going to be a lot of fun. The last, I always do like the the pre podcast phone call where we're just chatting for a few minutes before we get and hit the live button. We plug the phones into the board and then we hit record and off we go. Today's guest, Andy Starnes. This is a guy I've been looking forward to having on. He's actually on right now, but I'm not letting him talk yet. And I'll tell you why. We just did 11 minutes on our pre-conference podcast thing. We're going back and forth. He's giving me all this information. Uh, And then I just realized, like, why am I not recording this already? Because it's such amazing content to begin with. And so that's what I did. I plugged the phone in. I stopped him mid-sentence. I said, hang on, we're hitting the record button, and here we are. I always give a brief overview, background on the guest when they join me on the podcast. To be frank, I did my homework on them, but a lot of the homework comes from the internet, and the internet's not always true. Believe it or not, kids, the internet is not only fact, it's not always factual. So I asked Andy a couple things. He said, well, let me give you the story. I said, hold on, let's record. So Andy Starnes, welcome to the show. Give me the background story. Give me chapter one. Go. Thank you, Jeremy, for having me first. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm a, a long, long time listener, first time. Yeah, caller. there we go. Oh. I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you say for the hair club for men? I'm not just the president. I'm also a, a client. client. Uh, yeah, and please right. don't bring that up because I'm getting a little thin up top myself. So uh, Better to turn gray than turn loose, Jeremy. Uh, that's true. I told my wife the other day I'm a silver fox, and she just looked at me and then busted out laughing. So, anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I got my journey started chasing my dad. My dad, Joe Starnes, is, is was my, you know, my my, my hero, my mentor. As, as a kid, I followed him around. He worked full time for AT and T and went went and gave gave of his time to volunteer fire department, mm. Sandy Ridge Volunteer Fire Department, little town outside of Monroe, community called Sandy Ridge, North Carolina, and uh, started going over to the fire station when I was eight or nine and waiting tables and uh, for fish fries and barbecues and things like that because it was volunteer. Yeah. That's how they paid bills. That's right. And, and uh, at age 13, started the junior program, got my uh, firefighter one and two at 15. Wow. Fought my first forest fire at 16, uh, was hooked, uh, got out of high school and started uh, my journey in community college. You know, wanted to get my stuff done and 
during that time, my dad was teaching a concept far into the fire service known as customer service, total quality management. And he got into it and ran into a guy by the name of Alan Brunacini. Yeah. And in my little department in the middle of nowhere had people like Alan Brunacini and Jim Maston and Dennis Rubin and all these people coming out and teaching us about incident command and things that weren't very common in 1989, 90, 91, 92 in that time frame. And uh, very blessed to have been exposed to that and ran into Alan Brunacini and told me, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to try to get on the fire department. He said, well, if you get your first year of college done, I'll get you an internship with the Phoenix Fire Department. I said, sir, the guys who go to that are like Eastern Kentucky University, Oklahoma State. I'm from nowhere. I'm nobody from nowhere. I'm going to Central Piedmont in Charlotte. He goes, well, I think I have a little bit of pull. So true to his word, I did one year of my college, and he got me out there. My dad drove me 2,200 miles to Phoenix in my car. I did almost three and a half months there, and he flew home. I worked at Fire Station 40 or slept at Fire Station 40 at night and worked at the training academy during the day. Uh, he brought me back home in August. I continued my journey and got hired uh, by Charlotte Fire Department in 1998. Hmm. Um, I'm in my 25th year there, and I currently serve as a battalion chief, scheduled to retire this year and move on. To, thank you. Uh, move on to my next chapter, which is uh, give my <clears throat> give my wife and my daughter as much time and as attention as I have given that badge for the last seven or eight years. That's incredible. Just listening to that in your voice and taking a half a second to be able to get that out. Um, I know. So this is uh, truth be told, this is our second try at doing this uh, podcast. The first episode I had to cancel on you kind of last minute. uh, Wasn't happy about it, but had to, it just was the right thing to do that day. Um, and so here we are, but we had a very powerful conversation when I called, I hate having to reschedule. I hate canceling last minute on people and especially a guy like yourself that runs such a busy schedule. And and we're going to get into all that, but scheduling is important for you. The fire department's important for you. Your businesses are important for you, but your family is most important. And when, when I called you and explained and, and so on, I, you, you had a very nice conversation. We had a great conversation and I ended up hanging up the phone with you. And I really thought about a lot about what you said. And you talked about the importance of trying to find that balance, uh, trying to find ways to communicate um, and making your family as important as that badge. I know your family is so important to you. Has it always been that way for you? I I always start my class with that little testimony I told you about. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that, please. I I basically say this is my world. It's a picture of me, uh, my wife, Sarah, and our our daughter, Emma. And it says faith, family, and fire department. I said, those are my priorities. And it should be in that order. I said, but in 30-plus years of doing this, I've screwed that up more than anything. Yeah. I said, because I'll get out of balance. I'll put, you know, fire department too high. I'll put, you know, and this, this hurts, but people need to hear this. You know, I'll put family above God, or I'll put, my daughter above my wife or vice versa, or I'll put, you know, ambition or whatever it is, or the to-do list, we get out of whack. Mm -hmm. And, and the, we call it in our house, we call it love deposits and love withdrawals. Yes. I'm either, I'm either overdrawn in that bank account or over deposited. And the way we work is we try to, we look at our schedules and say, whew, that's a lot going on in that 45 day window. Well, when that stops, what's that look like? Is there a respite? Is there a break? And we have to plug in, you know, times of reconnection because you don't, it's just go, go, go. And then all of a sudden you realize your kids are grown up and you and your wife don't know each other anymore. And 
I see firefighters make their whole career and their kids leave their house and they get divorced. I'm like, why? Why would you work 25, 30 years, give your life away to the fire service and to the citizen only to look at your spouse and say, I don't know you anymore and your kids are gone and and you're living in a shoebox and drinking a fifth of liquor every day. Yeah. So for me, uh, I had a lot of reasons why to recalibrate, one of which was I got out of line bad with my way I managed stress and started taking, bringing it home and taking it out on them. And I had an anger problem. I had an anxiety problem. And Jeremy, just being straight up, I used to make fun of people who had panic attacks until I dealt with all panic attacks for three straight years. You get it. You know, where, where I would sit at my own home where there is no stress here. It's a house of peace for me. Other than the to-do list I never get done, it's pretty pretty nice to live in my home. Sure. Uh, um, but I would just be sitting there and it'd feel like you'd come up behind me and set an elephant on my back and yes. wrap around and crush my chest. Yes. I wouldn't have a panic attack like you see people hyperventilate. I thought I was going to die. Uh, that's what happened to me. And that happened so random I couldn't control it. Firefighters mm. don't firefighters don't like being out of control, right? Yeah. So I went and got help. I went to a doctor, a pastor, counselor. I, I took a started on an uh, anxiety medication or antidepressant, whatever you want to call it. And had uh, been in counseling for 13, 14 years. Found out I had a lot of other issues I wasn't aware of, like I had low testosterone and sleep apnea, and just a cumulative effect of a career of stress and things that I hadn't dealt with. Yeah. And it dealt with me. And that's where I began my journey where my wife said, well, why don't you do something with this? Because we talked about in our faith, you know, testimony, sharing what you've been through. And that's how I got into behavioral health. That's how I started getting involved in peer support, critical incident stress management, writing about it and doing the little program we do now and supporting people like my friend that Blake Stanett at Next Rung or Dina Ali and her work or any of the good people out there that are doing it, you know, from a benevolent fund to just anything that's going on, yeah. you, you try, you look at those opportunities and give back. Uh, but I got out of balance multiple times. And one of the things that we've realized is that, um, you know, my dad worked 44 and a half years, Jeremy, for AT&T. And when he retired, his retirement gift was Parkinson's, deep brain surgery, a stroke, and a divorce. Yeah. He gave his life away for his family and the fire service. And he gave it all away. He's a true servant, but what did it cost him, right? And I'm like, you know, I get the blessing of retiring at early, and good Lord willing, if I get to live a little bit longer, I want to do some stuff, and it doesn't have to be fire department related. I hate to tell everybody out there that the fire department's an awesome job, but it ain't your life. You have a wife, a husband, children, and that's the thing on your tombstone. It's going to say loving dad, loving mom, loving husband. It's not going to say he was an awesome fire chief. Because when the minute you leave the fire department, in three months, they're not going to remember your name. Okay? We have, we got almost 1,200 firefighters in my department. I don't know half of them. I used to know almost everybody when I got hired. Yeah. We had like 550. Now we got 1278 or something like that, something ridiculous. You know, and you're like, how, you know, you're, you're replaced, right? So, yes, you need to leave a legacy behind in people, but your name's not going to be written on a, a plaque. And if it is, great. But, what does that got you? What about your child? What about your wife? What about your family members? What about the people you influenced? Write your names on hearts, not on stone, right? And uh, that's the thing that, that has hit us hard is, is we need to invest in relationships, not material things, not awards, not, you know, I taught at this conference or I wrote this book. But yeah, that's great. I'm not knocking it. It's accolades that men give you. 
But in the end, that's not what's going to hang around as an internal investment that keeps going. Yeah. You have to be able to invest in people. How and, did for you in those early earlier days where you started started uh, pushing back, reaching out? You know, you you were you were realizing that there was something going on. Your wife brought it to your attention as well, and so it comes to self care, right? It comes to accountability <laughs> of yourself and your yeah. actions, right? But here's the thing, yeah. right? And the reason why I want to focus on that for a minute, right, is because self care is critically important, and so many mm-hmm. of us check that at the door. Whether guys aren't following up on health issues whether guys are abusing substances or mentally physical abuse, right? The struggles, the the things that we do to ourselves. I mean, these are things that are so prevalent and so commonplace that this self-destruction is occurring so regularly for so many of us. And sometimes we don't want to open our eyes to it. And it might take somebody close to us to really put it in front of you and say, Hey, this is going on. Do you even know this? Do you even recognize who you are right now? I think that's a very profound statement. You could probably have an entire series of podcasts yeah, just about, about self, self-awareness and what I call personal size up. Mm. Uh, because you, you, a lot of times you can't look yourself in the mirror and even recognize it. I didn't recognize I was. Yes. So, but the thing is, Jeremy, who, who are you going to listen to random strangers or your spouse or those closest to you that you could call you out on those behaviors. That's what it took for me. And I can tell you that that self-awareness was not enough. You you had to have uh, Andrew Andy Andrews has a book on the Traveler's Gift. He has a concept called the Board of Directors. Right. You got to have a con. You got to have a group around you that well, the one guy who will rebuke you, the one person that will encourage you, one person who gives you sage sage advice. Those people are the ones that should be. Hey, bud, you're out of line here. You know, you're you're. Uh, you don't know if you noticed, but you're drinking too much. You're working too much. It's usually a too much problem. If you've noticed that with firefighters, we don't have the the issue is the word no. Yes. Yeah, because when the bell hits, we're gone, right? When a buddy calls and he needs help, we're gone. But here's the here's the ultimate hypocrisy. You ready for this? Do it. We will sacrifice our lives for someone we never even met or even a building, right, to save lives and property. But we wouldn't help the guy at the kitchen table from the other shift or ask for help when we have a serious problem within our own family, we won't do that. So you're meaning to tell me that you're going to die for somebody you don't even know because that's what you swore to do. But I'm wearing a ring on my finger that is a circle, and it means circle means never ending, which means an unending commitment to the person I stood before God and said, I love you. And when I say I do, that also means I don't to a lot of things. And that's what we have problems with is saying, you know, I really want to help, but I can't do that right now. And we have a hard time saying that. And then we have a hard time saying, Jeremy, I need help. Yeah. You know, because there's, you know, Dina's really good at talking about this, about the stigma behind it, the, 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 the issues that come with it. And a lot of departments, I'm sad to say, there's still departments out there that they don't help their people. You know, they're, they're, their culture views it as weakness. And then there are a lot of departments that have turned it around and made a culture of support and teamwork. So there is a there is a shift in that, as you said in the beginning, but but for me, I think that self awareness is not enough, you know, because somebody calls and tells you my house is on fire, and you get there and there's a little tiny outlet sparking, right? You're like, well, technically it's on fire, but it's not that big a deal, right? Right. You know? right. Yeah. yeah. Versus versus my personal favorite is unknown medical, and you get there and there's 17 people shot. Well, that's right. a little different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So 
you know, I think awareness is is in that outside person view when that trained professional or that person who knows you looks at you and says, "Man, that's not that's not Andy. That's not who he used to be. What something's wrong." But we got to speak up, Jeremy, and we got to speak up in a way that doesn't threaten people or invalidate them, but get some help. I agree with you, and and that comes in all shapes and sizes too, right? Um, yeah. You know, and and I just I think about myself. Um, you know, I went back. I was I've been while you were chatting, talking. I was just going back to a few minutes ago in the conversation where you said, you know, I used to be that guy that made fun of people that had panic attacks, mm-hmm. for, and and I'm sitting here thinking I was the same way, and. And since we've started this podcast and have had mental health professionals on, I've talked about this topic before with different people. I've really gotten to understand, you know, that 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 side of it doesn't exist anymore, that we have to do better and that we have to lay an environment and foundation down for our brothers and sisters that require something more. We need to be there for them and to provide those tools for them. And we need them to know that that's available and 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 supported by us and the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the fire service, we need to support each other on that. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't come to realize how important this topic was until I started having some of my own stress. And, uh, you know, when you talk about those panic attacks, I've never had a panic attack, but I've certainly had stress that consumed me. Uh, yes. And it, not only that, it literally just happened to me the other morning, laying in bed at 4.30 in the morning. I couldn't go back to sleep because all I had was probably the 150,000 things that are on my plate that I've put off because I decided to take a weekend off from Preach. reality. Tell me about it. Right. <laughs> I literally took, I literally took a Saturday and Sunday, put my phone down, didn't post on social media, didn't answer any emails, didn't record anything. I didn't do anything other than like land a couch, watch movies with my kids, spend time with my family, go out to dinner with them, enjoy my day with them. And I unplugged. And then all of a sudden Monday morning rolls around and you go, Holy crap. Hey, and guess what? The world, the world didn't die. When no. And, and that's it. Right. But the stress, <laughs> the stress of that. And then it's the, and then I have this unbelievable, um, I get this unbelievable, overwhelming guilt feeling when I fall down on something that I've promised to do for someone or, and you talk, and this is, this is really good because you said the, the, the ring, I put a ring on her finger, right? And that, that is circular, right? And like, it's Mm -hmm. saying yes, but it also means saying no. And Mm -hmm. like, I've struggled with saying no my whole life. And I take on so much burden that it overwhelms me at times. And then when you fall down on that burden, when you make a promise you can't keep or you prom- or, or you're going to try to follow through on something and something falls through the cracks, that eats me up to no end. And if only I had a real conversation with somebody and said, listen, I'm not sure if I can do this. I don't know if I have the time. I'm sorry, I can't. But that, oh, yeah. is, that has been so difficult for me. But I'm finally getting to that point because I can't do everything, brother. You just you can't. can't. You can't. And if you remember our first conversation, we talked about schedules. And I said it, is, right. the prison. it is the prison we create. That's right. We, it, all right. Look at your calendar. It's a rectangle. Yep. It's a box. And we box ourselves in. Okay. So let me, let me, let me throw this at you. Do you it. tell me what you think. When I was just starting to get busy, not like I am now, my neighbor, who's a retired psychiatrist, comes over quite often for coffee, and he's standing there talking, and all of a sudden he just stops and wraps his arm around me and pulls me close and said, can I ask you a question? I was like, oh, boy. Here it comes. 
He goes, let's talk about your calendar on this refrigerator here for a second. Because oh, in this house, we still have a paper calendar, believe it or not. I keep one, too. I, it's the only way I can do I it. Got, I got a digital one, but my paper calendar never crashes. Mm-hmm. And he says, tell me about this calendar. He said, well, what's wrong with it? I said, well, besides looking like three ink pens exploded on it, you know, you got my schedule, Sarah's schedule, Emma's schedule, you know, all that stuff. I also have my, I have my fire department schedule, my insight training schedule. Bless you. Thank you. And he goes, show me a blank spot. Couldn't. He said, turn the page, turn it again, turn it again. He said, show me something you can cancel. I couldn't. And I had boxed myself in. And he asked me a question that I really felt uncomfortable. He said, if something happened right here in this event where your family needed you, what would you do? I didn't have an answer. That's hard. I mean, you think it's such an easy answer, right? I would drop everything and be there, right? And it's like, what? Like, wow. Jeremy, I was in, (laughs) I was in. And you talked about some of the work I was doing. I worked for a year helping develop a product, and I was in the final testing and burns of it. I was in Santa Barbara, California, helping do those burns. My wife had COVID and refused to tell me about it. Uh-huh. She didn't want me to. She didn't want me to come home. She's at home struggling, and my daughter's taking care of her. But she knew I had worked so hard on this that she didn't want to distract me. I was absolutely furious, not with her, but with myself. Mm. And then this this March, we had one of the busiest seasons we ever had. We had 17 days straight on the road. We went, I went from California to San Antonio. We trained L.A. County, one of the largest departments in the country, then drove to Chula Vista and trained. In the middle of that, my mother-in-law, my dad was hospitalized. And my mother-in-law was hospitalized. And you know who bared that burden, who t- held that two-and-a-half attack line by herself with a fog nozzle and all the nozzle reaction? My wife. Yep. My wife's the hero, Jeremy, not me. I get it. I get it. You, I... you, you, the people you see on social media and on TV and all the accolades they get, you don't see the person holding them up. You don't see the foundation for what they do, who allows them to travel, who allows them to do the things they do. And if that person is not valued, affirmed, and appreciated, that person will move on. It took me um, quite a long time to understand all of this, and I have a very good grasp on it, and yet I still struggle with it at times. I find, and and I've had this conversation with my wife many, many times, and my children, uh, but more so my wife, and I don't, I, I never give her enough accolades, and, and I do, but I don't, right? I feel that she always needs more and deserves more. For me, what I find, it's always easy to take advantage of the people that are closest to you. And you mm-hmm. sacrifice your own relationships with those that are around you because you take them for granted. I take That's my right. children for granted. I take my wife for granted. I take my other family members for granted because I see them regularly and they'll, quote unquote, understand. But at some yeah. point, that understanding runs thin and damage begins to happen. And I learned that firsthand, and I was seeing it here with the amount. Listen, National Fire Radio has been one of the most beautiful blessings in my world. I work very hard at this with the other guys that are involved as well. We all work very hard at this, and this is still a side hustle for us, right? I mean, we're very close to taking it full time and, and really going all in. And we are all in, but we're all in on top of careers, other careers. And so this is mm-hmm. this is a struggle. So it's 
I'm literally wearing two full-time hats plus a family, plus a wife, plus this, plus that, and everything else. And yeah, I understand where, that very well. So when you squeeze, <laughs> yeah, of course. And and so I'm glad that psychiatrist friend's your friend and not mine because I wouldn't want him coming to my house, having a cup of coffee with me and looking at my calendar either. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, no. that, he's, he's a, he's that, a blessing because I've been gone. Oh, I, I mean, as much as I don't want him, I want him, right? Like, But that's the thing. But I found, I found that where's the stress? The stress is put upon those that always and unconditionally support you. But the problem is with people that unconditionally support you, that damage is being done, but they're not going to tell you until it's too late. Yeah, and that's that's the problem. Yeah. I wrote something that I I share at every time I do my program called the Ultimate House Fire. Yes. And it, it's called The Affair You Never Saw Coming. Mm. And it basically says if you were a mar- happily married couple and your husband's a firefighter, your marriage is great, you work together to balance the issues that happens, and the husband suddenly begins to change, begins to draw into the work more, consumed by it, constantly studying, training, attending conferences. He becomes popular, he's teaching everywhere, and slowly the family commitment begins to fade. And slowly his faith and his you know, focus on God begins to fade. But the mistress, this affair is like none other. For if it was a person, the wife could probably see it coming and have someone to target on. But this affair began with a drive to be a better firefighter so they could come home safe. So he was encouraged and supported by his family to become better, smarter, more skilled. But the inherent danger in this, Jeremy, this trap, is he never saw coming was the demon of pride. Yeah. Not pride like wow. we talk about in a fire service, but pride that makes you fall. And that pride is what we, not, you know, not that we cherish. This pride is a selfish pride that sneaks up on you and slowly sneaks in and gets its roots in deep like a cancer. And it's like a small little spark. You don't see it burning. But with each success, he becomes to believe his own rhetoric. With each certification, he becomes more aware, aware of what others think he is. With each conference and speech, your recognition grows. And all the while, his family is slowly dying. He misses another ball game, another dance recital, another anniversary. He's out of town while his wife is sick. He arrives home one night only to find an empty house, no furniture, no family, nothing but a note and a foreclosure notice that says, we used to be important to you. We supported you to chase your dream in the hopes that you would always come home. But somewhere along the way, you became lost and never came home. The desire to become the greatest, the best firefighter overrode the desire to be a better husband and father. So we bid you farewell. Go and become that which you long to be, and we will not hold you back. Signs your heartbroken wife and children. The lives you save out there will pale in comparison to the lives you watch slowly die around you. That is why I changed. Wow. Because that's what I was doing. And I'd still push, and I went on a mission to share and help people, but I will not sacrifice my wife or my daughter in the name of a badge or a conference or any accolade that someone wants to put on you on social media or any dollar sign. You cannot. The commitment that we talk about in the fire service is absolute hypocrisy if I will abandon my wife and children for the sake of that. Mm. Wow. (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> I'm Andy. Wow. I'm sitting here sweating a little bit because, man, am I doing some self-reflection right now, brother? Holy cow. That was unbelievably powerful. I love um, that directed at me, Jeremy, not anybody else. No, I know that. But I listen, you and I started this podcast by saying and laughing about some of the many similarities that we share. I get it. I've, I've lived a lot of this, too. And, um, you know, we all deal with it and battle it in our own ways. But I promise you this. And for people that are listening to this, this is pretty emotional. It's pretty heavy stuff. And I think what's most important, though, is to understand that if any of this resonates with you, the listener, somebody that's that's giving their time to listen to this podcast, if any of this resonates with you, you're not alone. We're all struggling. I struggle with this every single day. This doesn't, Andy Starnes, I can guarantee you, struggles with this every single day. It's, nothing's ever in balance, but as long as you try to put balance forward and you're conscious of that, that means that you're weighing everything that's there. And as long as you do that, balance will find itself, whatever that looks like. But you're not alone, right? Nobody's yeah, alone. The other, the other thing is, Jeremy, is we put so much focus into our skills and our knowledge and, and all that, which is great. I'm not saying you shouldn't because someone said it best. You can never train enough for a job that could kill you. But the, the, the thing, the ultimate gut check in this, Jeremy, is do this. Look at your bookshelf. Look at your podcast library. Look at your files in your computer and count how many countless files you have in the name of the fire service, right? And then I challenge you to get out a short, little small three by five index card, because that's all you're going to need. And write down the number of books, conferences, and classes that you and I have attended to be a better husband, to be better in your faith, and to be a better father. How many of those have you taken? Because I can tell you, when I realized that I was putting so much into the name of the fire service and so little in the name of my heavenly father, to be a good husband and to be an earthly father, I realize how much of a hypocrite I am. Wow. And that's what that's what that's where the fire service needs a gut check. I'm not telling you not to be a good firefighter. I'm telling you that if you are focused on your family, that you will be a better firefighter because that same devotion that you put into them yeah. will it will carry over. And your firefighters will see that. And know, like, this guy loves, or this gal loves his or her family. He loves his spouse or her spouse. He loves his children. He doesn't put them second, right? And that's the problem. I think that it's always been for them, a big push now. So it's for them. It's for them. It's always been for them. But not in the name of sacrificing your family. Yeah. You know, because you got to have, you got to have somebody to come home to, brother. We all do. One day, National Fire Radio won't be here, and neither will Insight Training, right? I know those are short-lived windows, but I have a soon-to-be 14-year-old that I'm watching grow up, <laughs> you know, and my wife is, is 53. I'm going to be 48. We're at the midpoint of our lives. So am I going to take that time frame, the middle of your life, where statistically you spend more money and do more things than you ever have, am I going to squander it? Or I'm going to focus on my own personal ambition, and I'm not going to make it count. Yeah, and that's that's a struggle, like you said, that balance. And I really challenge you to look up a guy by the name of Dr. Donnie Hutchinson. He's got a great podcast on balance, work-life balance. I've been interviewed on his show, and I think he's a phenomenal guy. Donnie Hutchinson. He, yes, sir. Dr. Donnie is his podcast, and he does a lot of work with first responders, cool. and he does a and, and 
the thing about that balance that we talked about, it is a dirty word, but it can be something that you work for. It's not impossible. It's just more improbable with our schedules because people don't understand our schedules, number one. And number two, we are the ones that make it a mess, like what we talked about earlier, because we say yes more than we say no. So be careful what you say yes to. And and when you say no to something, look at say, well, not right now. Maybe yeah. I could do that next year. Like I'm telling anybody that's calling my company right now, I can't do any classes till 2024. Yeah. And they're like, why not? I was like, I'm not trying to be mean, but I told people seven months ago, we are booked. And now everybody's catching up. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I can't, I'm not going to get divorced or fired because of you. Yeah. <laughs> you right. Yeah. hundred you percent. Know? Let me you ask know, you, we, I want to ask you this too. I mean, this is, this has just been an incredible conversation, but I think it's also important that the individual is good too, right? We talk about mm-hmm. that self-awareness, self-care. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's certain things that I require in life to make me good. And I have to be good in order to be good in a relationship, right? So mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't, the word balance to me is hard. I know I brought it up before, but it's a hard word because I don't know what balance truly is. I, I think that it's such a sliding scale, right? And it's, and it changes every moment of the day. My point is this, and I want to just get your feedback on this. As an individual, there's certain things that Andy Starnes needs, right? Because if you're not getting certain things in your own life that are fueling you to be who you want to be, whether it's mm-hmm. ambition, lust, desire, needs, mm-hmm. wants, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we check that to make sure that it's in line with what you need to be present in a relationship. That's that's always been something for me. I look at a lot of guys in the firehouse, and I've talked about this quite often on this podcast, is that we need guys that are good in life. We need people that are, are you know, finding their way and understanding, you know, financial stability, marriage stability, good relationships mm-hmm. with their children, a family man, all these different things, uh, you know, faith, if you're, you know, faith-based, like all these mm-hmm. things, we need you to be a good person. And in order to be a good firefighter, you need primarily need to be a good person to be mm-hmm. a good person. You need things that fulfill you to be a good person. I have mm-hmm. selfish wants, desires, and needs, right? We all do. Oh, a hundred percent. Right. And I, then I love cheeseburgers. Oh man. Tell me about a good cheeseburger. Yeah. I'm sorry, brother. That's, that's, that's on the easy side of the spectrum. Right. All right. But the I'm point, throwing it out there. yeah, but the point is right. It's like, we have to be conscious of ourselves too. And as much as we give back and we give, 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 whether it's to the fire service, to our family, right, to the people that are important, we also need to give back to ourselves too, though. Correct? Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. You can't do you can't go to the beach if you don't have fuel in your tank, right? You gotta you gotta prep the car and make everybody ready for the journey. And same thing when a firefighter shows up for work. Their gear is checked, their truck is checked. Uh, you know, feed feed the men, feed the horses, make sure everything's taken care of so you can respond, right? The, the issue with us as people is that we like to go from one occupation to another, to another commitment, and we don't ever stop. Yep. And uh, Dina Ali, a good friend of mine, doing a lot of work right now, I'll talk about sleep and the value of that. And I told you at the beginning, me discovering I had sleep apnea yes. and all the problems that came with it. You know, the number one contributor to all the, or I would say not contributor, but common thing that I see in every health and behavioral health issue is sleep disruption and sleep deprivation, number one. Right. Firefighters don't get enough rest. And that that is a lot of times self-induced by our own schedules. We want to be a busy houses, want to have busy sidelines where we go from one to the other and we don't stop. 
So that's that's the first issue is we don't rest and recover. Um, the other thing is when we talk about our own, I would say selfish needs, but just needs to be a person. To be a good person, you have to do things that keep you in line, like exercise and wise counsel and all of those things. You got to have a good support system. Yes. Right? And uh, they've proven that people who are injured or have a major life event get better faster than people who don't have a strong support system, right? So one of the things I learned the hard way is when you get married, that is the two become one. And that means bank accounts, that means decisions, that means everything. And one of the things that I did wrong was I made a lot of decisions and then I talked to her about it. That's a huge mistake. God, right? you and We're I doing the same this. person. God. Well, and then I came home and tried to run the house like a firefighter, right? Yep. <laughs> no, no. No, let me tell you how I come home now. I text, I'm coming home, I love you. And if I've had a bad night, I let her know. Sure. Because she treats me differently if I've had a bad That's shift. That's right, absolutely. Like the last one, I just did a double shift, and sadly there was a firefighter who took his own life. Oh. I was involved in talking to some people about yeah. it. And it's not not mine, but still, it's just you feel so much pain and loss from him. So she, right. she gave me a lot of grace when I come in the door, which is much appreciated. The other thing is, is when you come in the door, what's she been doing or he been doing while you've been gone, right? You know, one of the greatest mistakes I ever made is I come in the house. I don't know about you, but I was taught as a firefighter. If you walk by a kitchen sink, it was full of dishes. You stop and you wash the dishes. You put them away, right? You don't, you don't crawl past fire. You don't crawl past the problem. I walk in the house. I don't see anybody just yet. Sink's full of dishes. I washed them. Huge mistake. Huge, huge marital boom. That is freelancing on the family ground. I did not report to command. And I learned to come in and say, hey, man, how are you? What can I do for you? And she'll say, I need you to sit with your daughter. Or I need you to do this. I'm reporting to command. She's been running this by herself. Schedules, my, my dad, her mom, all those things by herself. And now I'm showing up and thinking I'm helping? No, I got to report into the chain of command. Just like at work. You freelance and they don't know where you are, you're in trouble, right? So I, we started making decisions together instead of me making a decision, she making the decision. And then by, right when her 50th birthday before COVID hit, we went to New York and we made the decision that she was going to retire and she was going to come home, homeschool our daughter, and she's going to run Insight Training for me as far as the scheduling, finances, stuff like that. We merged our calendars. We merged our decision-making. Our marriage is so much better. Yeah. We still have struggles, just like sure, everybody else. Of course, but we talk, Jeremy. We make decisions. To I talk about stuff with her. I ask her feedback on contracts and this, that, and the other. And and she has the gift of discernment I don't have. And she goes, "Well, I wouldn't do that." I, let me tell you, three times I didn't listen to her. Three times I regret. You know, <laughs> I so, get it. I totally. So get we. It. So that that that's a gift that I don't have. Yeah. So we make decisions together. That makes life easier, better, stronger, and then also communicates all the burdens that I'm dealing with. You talked about laying in the bed, think about all the things you got to do. How's she going to appreciate the level of stress you're under if you never tell her all the things you got to do? That's it. I started copying her on every email that I sent. Oh. Yeah. But you know what that did? Well, I was, I was like, that's a lot of emails. Number two, it helped us because she goes, hey, did you remember you got a call tomorrow? I'm like, no, I didn't. She, she keeps me in line. Yeah, you know, and that, and that's what makes things better is doing things together and not being 
you're, you don't take a two and a half up the stairs, around the corner, down the hallway by yourself, no matter how good you're moving at moving hose. Somebody's got to manage pinch points. Somebody's got to pull slack for you. Somebody's got to go back and get it unhung off the dresser in the corner. You're doing things as a team at work. Why would you do things in single components at home? I struggled with it, brother. Trust me. And uh, over the past several years, I've come to really understand we're better as a team than me at the lead. Um, yeah. And that that went a very long way in our marriage and our communication's been better than ever. Our relationship is super strong. Um, there is Good. no there is no guesswork anymore in, in a way. Um, but Good. it takes work. And I want to stress that, though, because everything yeah, we've been talking, everything we've been talking about requires work. And sometimes mm -hmm. people just don't want to put in the work. Um, and that's on the individual and they have to be willing to put the work in everything in life takes work. You work on the fire ground, you work at home. That's how it works. Right. Well, it's interesting that we don't, we want to do as much work as possible as a firefighter, but that's when, right. it comes to relation, when it comes to relationships, we don't like working hard. I know. I know. That's the hypocrisy of it. We really like to put ourselves in the most challenging, difficult position there is. That's right. But we get thrown into it in our family and stuff. We like, uh, put me I in coach. Yeah. Yeah. We go, I'm out. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you don't back down from that fire. You ain't backing down from this one. Well, that's okay? it. I you agree. With that's you. why I think if you want to talk about problems in the fire service, why people are having so much issue with conflict, they won't face conflict at home. They're not going to face it in the firehouse. Yeah, that's really well said. Really, well you got to sit down with people and be people, be civil, and have the tough conversations, good, bad, or ugly, and work through them because you're gonna have to work with them tomorrow and the next day and next week. And they, you know, they they may think you're a butthole that day, but you're gonna have to have that conversation just like a dad having a tough conversation with with their kid. Yeah, you know, it's it's part of life. You can't run away from it. And I I think it's just it just drives me up the wall when I hear these amazing speeches by speakers, not just fire service speakers, about leadership and doing the right thing. And then I watch them do the complete opposite in their personal life or their professional life with, with their people. I'm going, listen, I, I'm a Christian, but that doesn't mean I'm a perfect person. I used to ask anybody. I'm, I'm the biggest, as Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the biggest screw up there is. Okay. But that doesn't mean I get a free pass every time I mess up. I have to own that. Yeah. You know, and you, you can't just go around and tell people to do one thing and not do the other. My, trust me, my 13-year-old calls me out. And she said, you said to put your cup away. You left your coffee cup out there on the Ikea cabinet all night last night. I'm like, yeah, I did that. That's I, my fault. I did do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. We, 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 we've got to be who we are at home and at work, Kevin. That's the, you cannot. The ultimate thing that, that twisted me, turned me, and flipped me, back on track was one scripture and says you cannot be a double-minded man and my wife and i were walking one day and i talked about a friend of mine who got caught cheating on his wife mm. and, and how it broke my heart yeah we'd been married three years at the time and she said all men do it and it's only a matter of time before you do it to me oh. and i was like excuse me wow she's like well i look at who you are at work and i look at who you are at home and those two don't match up that's where my turning point came because I tried to be somebody different at home than I was at work and that didn't match up. It was Jekyll and Hyde. You cannot be two people. It will tear you apart. And that's what, that's what turned me around. That's what we, me and her together turned around, not just me, but yes, she called me out on it, you know, which was necessary.
Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's your board member. She's the, uh, she's the director of the board. Officer. Yeah, absolutely. The director of the board. Yes, sir. The director of the board, man. I mean, <laughs> she's right. absolutely. Absolutely. Right. You brought up faith a lot in the conversation, and I know that faith is super important to you and your family. Talk about the foundation of that a little bit. I mean, does that help you on a daily basis? Do you uh, Does a lot of your decision-making, um, your way about yourself, is is emulating in, in your belief in, in your faith? If I didn't have faith, I wouldn't be here. Mm. I would have given up years ago. Wow. The deepest, darkest holes I've been in, I'd have given up. There is no... I understand why people take their lives. People get people, when people have commit suicide, and I don't say commit, but die by suicide, people talk about how selfish it is and all the pain they cause, which it is, there is a lot of pain left over. But if you hadn't been in that hole, you don't judge somebody's been in that hole. And if you do not have a transcendent moral anchor, something else to hold on to, when you lose everything, Jeff, where is your hope? Why should you stay? And that's the problem people have, in my opinion. You can believe like I can or not, and I'm not going to evangelize or push. But the reason I am here, the reason that I have hope, is there are far too many blessings that I have received, number one, that I don't deserve, right? Number two, there are too many things that have happened in my life that are not coincidence. There is no way. And firefighters see it every day. People who live, who should have died, they see all kinds of stuff. You know, Chief Danny Sheridan talks about the invisible hand on the fire ground. God moving you at the last second before that roof truss hits you in the head. Yeah. We, we, we recognize that as a miracle. That five minutes you were late coming to work and missed that car accident that could have killed you, we don't recognize that. <laughs> you know, but Jeremy, I grew up a Christian, but I didn't know what having a relationship was. There's a difference between having a title as a husband or as a, as a dad but actually being one. You can be one on paper, but not one being in practice. And let's put it in terms every firefighter can understand. They're certified and there's qualified. Would you agree? Yes. So I can meet the state standard, but does that mean I'm a good firefighter? No. That just means I've passed the written test and a few tests there. That doesn't mean I can actually perform under stress, just like a promotional test doesn't really show you your merit, right? That's right. So, so qualification rests with your company. So qualification as in faith for me is trusting in something outside of myself that there's a bigger plan. There's someone that's got things covered for me that's going to take care of me no matter what happens. And Jeremy, you need to understand that my wife and I were not supposed to have children. And she told me she did not want to have kids. Mm. And, and when we got married, I suddenly started having dreams about having a family. Yeah, I prayed about it for two years, didn't talk to anybody. She caught me in the hallway one day and said, we need to talk about having children. I'm 38. In two years, I'll be 40. And I was like, why are we having this conversation? She's like, well, I've seen the change in you, and I feel that I can trust you. Wow. You know why she You know why she trusts me? Not because of me. Because I changed my behaviors through my faith changed me. Not me. It was not an I. I went somewhere and realized, oh, I'm not who I say I am. Oh. This is not who I, 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 I have a mess here. <laughs> the, the middle letter of sin is I, you know, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm a mess. I get this. How am I going to fix this? And uh, I'm not going to fix it. It takes someone to fix it from your inside out and changing you daily and changing who you are and how you care and serve people. And two years later, 
my wife has our daughter. She's she's 40 years old when, when she's eight months pregnant. Wow. You know, they said, you can't have kids. Or, okay, you're pregnant. You're AMA. You're advanced maternal age. Your kid's going to have Down syndrome. Your kid's going to have a heart problem. Emma didn't have any of that. You, you know, the day that we found out Sarah was going to, that Sarah was pregnant, my neighbors took a picture over the top of my house and there's two jet streams forming across over my house. Number one. Number two, when we went to the ultrasound and saw the picture of her, you know, that's just crazy enough to see that your child's alive and all that. Absolutely. But we, we're going through all this process and Emma's born perfectly healthy. And two years later, my wife and I are sitting in the funeral home because her dad died, longest living MS patient on record. Everybody knew his mother as Virginia Brown. She died giving birth to him. And I'm looking at her birth certificate. And her name was Emma Virginia Brown. Now, keep in mind, I, my wife and I argued over the name. I didn't want my daughter's name to be Emma. I thought that was an old name. I was not into it. And she just argued, argued, argued. And we sat in church one day, and there's two banners hanging on the wall. One said, Our Lord, Emmanuel, and the other one said, On the road to Emmaus. And I looked over there and said, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L. E-M-M-A-U-S. I said, You win. She's like, What? Don't worry about it. You win. She can be named Emma. That's fine. And two years later, she comes in this world, or a year later, she comes in this world, and we find out the reason her name was there is because somebody else picked it out, not me. And I got story after story of things happening in our lives that should have never happened, that should have never survived, should have never got through it, that all have to do with us hanging on to something that people can't see. And the reason they, they can't see it is they're not looking at the right thing. People look at the Bible. They don't look at the people practicing, trying to help people. They look at imperfect people making mistakes. And they say, oh, that Christian over here is this, that, and the other. There's lots of broken people. There's lots of bad firemen. Right. right. Lots of bad policemen, lots of That's bad right. pastors. But there are people in this world, thank God, who are broken, crushed, and qualified, Jeremy, that will get up and share their pain with somebody and help somebody. No different than I'll bet you now, since you understand stress, that if somebody had a panic attack, you would do like I do and get down on one knee and look them in the eye and say, I understand. That's personal empathy. You don't get that from a book. No. You get that from a burden. That's right. That's and that's right. why my faith is so much important to me, because it's not about the prosperity stuff. It's about being able to hold on during the hard times and give others hope. You know how many line of duty death funerals I've been to? You know how many suicides or have been where I went and took guns out of people's hands? How many times I went to somebody's bedside that was dying of cancer? I went and talked to guys whose wife just left them or children just died. And all these tragedies that we see as firefighters, if you don't have some type of hope, Besides PTSD, you're going to carry a lot more than that. You're going to carry burdens you shouldn't carry. Mm. And, and one man carried it all for me, and I can't carry it. And that's the reason I have what I have. Not because I'm better than anybody else, because I am not. Why? It's because I understand the need for hope. That's it. Yeah, I, wow. Wow. Yeah, I, Andy, I can't even begin to break this all down. <laughs> I mean, this has just been an incredible, incredible episode with you, and we haven't even scratched the surface on so much. I was just going to ask you, thank you, first off, for all of this. This has been amazing. I want to ask you, do you have more time? 
because I want to go down the other road with you and talk about thermal imaging and all of that as well, right? The other side of Andy Starnes. And so what I want to say is this, what I'm going to do, I just... On the fly, we're gonna. I'm gonna stop recording, and then we're gonna pick up recording, and we're gonna turn this into two episodes because I don't want to lose people from the behavioral side to the fire sure. behavior side, right? You do a so, part one, part two, absolutely, right? right? So if you're comfortable with that, and you can give me like another 45 minutes to an hour, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Sure. So here's what we're gonna do. Last words on firefighter behavior, right? Because this is really cool. When we started recording today, you said to me, "I'm p- super passionate about two things: fire behavior." and firefighter mm-hmm. behavior. Yes, sir. That's your, Those are your words. Yes, sir. This has That's been true. an incredible conversation on firefighter behavior. Yes. And uh, it's just, you know, overpowering to hear the storytelling, your experiences, your knowledge. I mean, this has been a really powerful hour with you um, on this first half, part one, if you will, of the podcast. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just... There's not a lot of episodes where I don't speak much, and I didn't speak that much in this episode because <laughs> I found myself to be a listener, and that's what I love about having guests on like yourself and people that have something to share. And I am a lucky guy that gets to share this with an audience, and thank you for, for sharing a part yeah. of you on the firefighter behavior side and a lot of personal stories today to help the next guy. And uh, well, thank you. Thank you, you for the opportunity. Oh, thank you. Amazing. So let's do this. I'm going to sign off on this one as a separate episode, and then I encourage all of our listeners, instead of making this a two-hour episode or two-and-a-half-hour episode where you get lost in it, let's do this. We're going to end this at part one, and then we're going to fire up another episode, which we'll play the next day after this episode, and it'll be part two with Andy Starnes. So, guys, thank you for tuning in for part one of the Andy Starnes interview on the National Fire Radio podcast, a very powerful conversation and so much to it. Andy, if people have any questions uh, can they reach out to you? Where can they find you? Absolutely, Jeremy. Reach out to me at my website, insighttrainingllc.com. And then you can reach me personally at my email, Andy Starnes at instructorandystarnes.com. Awesome. Uh, you can also text me. Uh, my phone number is listed there. Just don't do it after 10 o'clock, please. <laughs> uh, 704-507-7156. And I'd be glad to you know help anybody I can. Uh, but those are the main ways, unless you already follow us on social media, which we are on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Unbelievable. Uh, so we, we try. Um, I got one of my guys helping me with social media now, so I'm not quite as overwhelmed. We'll talk more about that span of control thing on the fire side here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hop into the fire talk just in a moment. So, Andy, thank you very much. Part one of the Andy Starnes podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.